Swivel. What do you want to be when you grow up? We ask kids that all the time, which is pretty silly, considering a lot of us never really worked that out. If you'd asked me that as a kid, my answers would have been things that I was never going to have the concentration span or gross motor skills or probably fine motor skills to accomplish. Even when we do work it out and we get to do that thing, we often discover that it isn't what we thought it would be. Maybe a better question is, who do you want to be? Because when you work out what you stand for, what you value, what things are non-negotiable for you as a human being, you can take that wherever you go. From Swivel Media, I'm Scotty Allen, and this is Starting Line, where we talk to established and emerging founders and industry experts, and we start from the beginning. As you'll hear, it took my guest today a few attempts to find his calling. And when he did, it was what he knew about who he was that enabled him to be successful. My name is Emeka, and I'm the CEO and founder of Netacare. Founded in 2020 and located across Greater Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, Netacare is a one-stop health provider and was born from the idea to improve lives, overcome obstacles, and connect people. They currently have 100 employees and are only continuing to grow. The path to the founding of Netacare and its massive growth in a short period of time is a windy one. So get a snack, find a comfy place to sit, and settle in. I was in the military, in the Air Force, and I worked as an avionics engineer, working our AFTEC, as they say, working on the C-17s. And that was, I suppose, exciting for many people. I didn't find it that exciting because it just wasn't that challenging for me. I wanted to do other things. One of the main reasons I got into the RAF was to fly. And so I got told, you know, you get into the Air Force, just take whatever job you're offered um, and then you'll be able to transition to whatever else you want to do as soon as you get there, which was not true at all. So uh, once I got there, I realized I was stuck and I did not enjoy it that much. Imagine a recruiter telling you you can go anywhere in this organization and it's turning out not to be true must only happen in the military. While it became clear that the Air Force wasn't his destination, Ameka used his time to build his skills, and with the computer science background he brought with him into the military, he started a side project that had promise. I had an idea to to work on an application that was going to revolutionize the way we did parking, city parking, which was essentially very simply, when you drive into a public parking spot that is paid, as you drive in there, your mobile phone will tell you you are now in a paid parking spot and that will uh, essentially connect to your bank account and you just need to accept the notification and you don't need to worry about paying on the meter. That was a very brilliant idea until we get, got to the point where we realized that we actually need investment backing. And, and that's usually the biggest place that most people come stuck that are doing uh, any sort of startup when you get to a point that you need investment, there's only so much that as an individual you can put into it. So back in that uh, setup, I had a whole bunch of, I had four or five different um, 
backing. There were individuals within their own little rights that wanted to do something together. But again, there's only so much we can all put into it before we need that bulk investment. So one of the things I learned out of that is if you're a small guy trying to start up a firm, unless you can find you have really good networking and find the investors that will believe in the idea enough to back you, we developed a prototype, a working prototype that we tested. It was working. We had something to show investors. In fact, I ended up meeting an, an investor in a local meetup, investment investors meetup that we went to. I did a bit, bit of a sales speech to him and he just said to me, look, you have to get a local government area to buy into this first before any investor because that's where... And I thought, oh, that sounds great, but how is that going to look for me? And and that was quite a bit of a challenge in itself. I met with an interstate mob that was on the other side of the data that we needed. We needed quite a bit of, bit of geofencing data. We met with a mob that was on the other side of that, um, that had already prepared a data for an entire council, local council area. And we talked about uh, partnering and, and doing work together. And then in the very last minute, they pulled the plug. They told us that they were not very interested in doing that uh, that sort of product. That was not the direction they were going. But then we realized that they had essentially set up the exact same uh, application that we, we had been working on. And, and they launched it in their local area. And at that point, you just got to learn we were the small guys. And if we were somehow able to take off, then we will have quite a competition to, to come up against. And so I decided we need to make the call there. Um, and, and we did. And we, we closed that up. And I, I gave it a break for a little while. So um, I learned from that when, when to keep going and when to stop. I learned from that when to see that there was a potential and when, when to see that there, there just isn't. So... Ameka is still in the military, which he knows is not his thing. And the thing that he thought might be the next thing is not a thing at all. And things are, things are a bit grim. Essentially, I was in a point in my life where I thought I could either keep waking up and going to do something every day that I completely hate and that is consuming my life, that I have no real, I'm unhappy all the time and I'm quite sad when I'm even at home. So that's not ideal for anyone. That's not how anyone should leave. So after about seven years of doing that journey, I made a big decision to to get out and, and find something else because it just wasn't working for me. Have you ever worked with people who are clearly deeply unhappy but have been working in that place so long that they're stuck there or at least they think they are? I mean, of course you have. Now, there are a lot of factors that can prevent people from changing careers or even employers in the same industry. And some of them are very practical, providing for yourself, for people that you're responsible for. I mean, even when you have a cat, it's not just you you have to think about, right? And of course, the whole idea of changing careers, finding your thing, is such a first world privilege, and we know that. But in this context, it's Emeka's willingness to take risks and leave the safe thing that makes the next steps of his story possible. When I told the guys I worked with that I was I was going to get out, their question was, what the heck are you going to go do? This is what you know. This is your qualification. My background is in computer science. And then I, I went over into the Air Force and did engineering. So techie was my life. Techie was my world. And so my vision coming out was I wanted to do something completely different, just very different from tech. So I got out and I went to fly. 
um, to, you know, live out that long-lived childhood dream of becoming a pilot. So I completed my first stage of flying and, and thoroughly enjoyed that. And then I realized if I keep doing this, A, it's going to take me a very long time to get to where I actually want to go. And B, it just, I don't know if I'm actually going to enjoy doing it as a job. And sometimes you got to differentiate when something is a hobby and when it's it's a job. This was before COVID, so really, really good call. I'll tell you this. My last flight was, and, and my last check flight for my, for my assessment flying, flying assessment was literally, I think, the week before COVID lockdown. So the flying itch has been scratched, and flying as a career has been scratched off the list, both by Emeka and a worldwide pandemic. At this point, you're probably wondering how this story is going to lead to founding a healthcare provider. Well, in the background, Emeka has been doing some other work while doing his pilot training, and that was about to take center stage. I also worked within the community services space, and I started looking at that and thinking, I actually really enjoy working with people. I connect with them better than I do with machines, so to speak. So I I really got into doing community services while flying, finished up flying, looked at community services and thought, I really want to do this. But from what I can see right now in the industry, there's just so much of it that is poorly done like just extremely poorly done, like advantages that are taken off people, misspending people's funding that they've been given in inappropriate ways, just so much of it that I was just like, just not ideal. And so there goes that question every person is one way or the other faced in life. What are you going to do about it? And so I find a lot of the colleagues that I worked with, it's easy enough for everyone to see a problem and talk about the problem and point out the problem, but there are not too many people that are keen to actually do anything about the problem. So I thought, well, I can either talk or I can do. Legislated in 2013, but coming into full operation in 2020, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, or NDIS, is a scheme by the Australian government that funds the costs associated with disability. It helps provide funding for reasonable and necessary support to hundreds of thousands of Australians with a significant and permanent disability, as well as their families and carers. The funding is allocated to the individual, and the individual or their guardian chooses which providers supply the funded goods and services, including carers for home support, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, therapy dogs, and more. So I was chatting with a friend one day at work, and she said to me, well, if you want to do something about it, here is a website of how you can get started. And it was a bit of a joke to her at the time, and I thought, huh. So, so someone can actually do something about this. And there is an actual way to do something about it. So there was a website that just prompted me on how to, you know, register a business in the community services space and how to get your registrations happening. And, and I thought, this is possible. And so she thought, she said to me, yeah, you know, many people try, but n- not many actually go the distance because it's a bit of work. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a go. Let's give it a go. And then I started looking into it and doing what I needed to do to get there. And it was literally when my wife and I, we made the decision, we are going to do this. And then COVID hits. And then we're like, well, there goes that idea. COVID has been the ruiner of many things, but it didn't end up stopping Emeka and his wife from finding the right advice, getting their paperwork together and becoming an approved NDIS provider. And then the real adventure started. So I realized the next part of getting started was finding clients. So how do you find clients? Well, there's multiple ways you can do it. But 
once you found the client, how do you actually start your service? So the first client ever we, we found was a mum uh, that had a young child that required occupational therapy. I confidently went out and signed the family for a service agreement to provide them a service for occupational therapy. Guess who is not an occupational therapist? Me. Guess who does not know how to find an occupational therapist? What I didn't realize before making that bold move was that allied health and more specifically occupational therapists are one of the most difficult occupations to find, to find individuals that have the capacity to do it. And so I was left with, I told the mom, she asked me, so when do I expect to start my service? I said, in two weeks. We can we can do this in two weeks. No worries. Your your whole therapist will be here. It was after that I realized that this is next to impossible. But I had two weeks. I had two weeks and I had to find myself a therapist that will sign a contract uh, for a non-existing organization um, and, you know, get started. So that probably sounds a bit frightening, right? Well, I've been a product manager in software, and anyone who has done that job will tell you that this is how software is sold all the time, but way more terrifying. Like, we just told this client that our product can iron and fold clothes automatically, and they can have it tomorrow. And we know that was never on our roadmap, but you have to do it now because we just sold it. Kind of terrifying. Still, for Emeka's context, this was cutting it pretty close to the bone, and he needed a combination of confident risk-taking and a bit of fate to help him out. There was a meeting I was invited to. I said I wasn't going to attend because it was a waste of my time. I was trying to find an occupational therapist. So very last minute, it was raining. There was no reason for me to go. But I had a mate call me and say, hey, are you attending this meeting? Because I want to go, but I need a ride. I was like, oh, fine. I'll take you. We'll both go. I ended up in this meeting. And across the table from me is an occupational therapist. And, And I'm just like, oh, oh. This cannot be a coincidence. Now, by the way, this is the Friday before the Monday that I told the mum that we'll see her. Um, So I quickly, you know, put things together. And in this meeting, I started pseudo interviewing this occupational therapist. And he was answering all my questions. And then at the end, I quickly folded him out. And I said, listen, man, I, I don't know if you have capacity personally or the organization has capacity. But if there's any way you can see a client for me who is in desperate need, I will treasure that and he said you know it just so happens that I have capacity and I was thinking of doing something myself because I had one day off at the moment from my normal nine to five job and I said my friend that is all I need (laughs) and if fast forward to today that allied health our professional occupational therapist is now my allied health director who is now managing over 20 allied health staff so that was a bit of an epic journey (laughs) From that happy coincidence or predestined meeting, depending on your outlook, Netacare was officially caring and growing. As Emeka said earlier, while the intent of the NDIS is fantastic, there are still some kinks to be worked out in the model. One of the reasons Netacare has been successful is because Emeka and his team have come up with a solution that addresses some of those issues. The market strategy was basically that there was too many people trying to do too many different things. When individuals want a service, they want a healthcare service, they have to go to four, five, six different providers. What would it look like if they can come to one provider and that one provider does everything they need? 
They sign one service agreement and that one provider not only ensures that they get all their service, but we save money for them because they only come into the one place. We don't need to double do things. Now, while we are saving money for them, we actually are making an incredible amount of money while still saving them far more money than if they went to multiple places. And we very quickly found out that that was an actual need in the market. Um, that it seemed like not many people had thought about, if any. And that's why we suddenly, in the thick of COVID from August, when we launched, went from, I don't know, one client to 200 and something now today. So how does a person with no training in healthcare or related services develop and launch a successful business in that space? That's where knowing who you want to be comes into the picture. Because of the way Australian uh, healthcare services set up, we're very fortunate. There's Medicare and NDIS and the aged care system. And there's DVA for, for veterans, which are some of the arms that we work with now. And there's, there are lots of ways where any one person with bad intent can abuse the system. But for us, we started with what is our values? What do we want to hold tight to ourselves, to our hearts? going into this. And our thing was this, I have a saying on the wall that if you truly care for people, money comes as a byproduct. So we have the privilege of looking after and people choosing us to be their preferred provider for their services. But what I enjoy is instilled into every single one of our staff is that we don't care about the money. Like I literally want to make it known that we don't we do not care about the money. It is money is great, it helps us keep the lights on, it gives you guys a stable life, but the intent here is not the money, the intent is caring for people. Because if we do truly care for people, literally money just becomes a byproduct. It just happens. And so that philosophy has seen us through. You know those magnetic word kits where you get a box of words and you can use the magnets behind them to make crazy sentences? That's what most sets of company values sound like to me. They're motherhood statements that say all the right things like think independently and take initiative. And often when you dig into a company's culture, you'll find it's the direct opposite of whatever their values say. Like these are meant to be ironic, right? But the values Emeka has built Netacare around didn't come out of an HR book or the latest leadership TED Talk. They came from a clear understanding of who he was and what his values were. I have some seriously educated people now that are working with me, and I don't use the term working for me. They're working with me because I make it known that we are in this together, but I think they've had the grace and the patience to educate me and I've been willing to always let them know when I don't know because I don't know. I have legal interns now working for us and there's a lot they told me that I'm like, that's good to know because I did not know that. Um, but but I, I'm okay not to know everything. I think the biggest mistake you can make as a leader is, is to be in a position where and sometimes there can be that pressure to feel like you have the answer for everything, but often you just don't, and it's okay not to, and it's okay to communicate to people that you're leading that I don't know what the answer is, but I can go and figure that out. And that I think that brings the grace when people know your heart as a as a leader. That brings the grace for them to really be okay with you learning with them, 
Because when they do something that's not quite right and you say, we all learn in here, they will extend that same grace to you as well. And so that value has helped me grow and learn and, and now know a lot of things that I didn't. Netacare is a very new business and it's grown rapidly. Scaling a business is always challenging, especially when you've built it around the values that Emeka and his wife built Netacare on. So finding the right people to help expand the business and retain those values was incredibly important. So my very simple process for, for that is this. I, I wanted to find one person that I will start with and partner with that will carry the same value for, for, for me. That started with my wife. And I knew that she knew the values that I wanted for staff. And that was she had the the skill to be a judge of character um, on very little information. And, and often that's what you that's what you need because you, you can't make a decision to hire someone based on a, a lot. You you only have usually one to two papers um, to make that judgment and, and phone calls to maybe two, three people. Um, and so once I once my wife started that journey with me, we needed to find someone else who can carry the value, understand what our heart is, and they have that they are a good judge of character. So then we only needed to do that one other time. Once we found one person that was a good judge of character that shared that value with us, that person can then become that. We then trust that person to replicate that again. And if we can replicate that, then look. Nine out of 10 times we might get it. Eight out of 10 times we get it, right? I asked Emeka what his key piece of advice for emerging founders would be. I'll say start with understanding why you want to do what you want to do. There's, there are multiple things I could tell you, like do a bunch of reading, get to know your industry, you know, all, all stereotypical advices that you can find if, if you, you are intellectual enough to start a business. But I think the key thing that needs to be answered if you want to start a business is why? Why do you want to do this? What is your why? Because your why is what will see you through when you have some very intense conundrums that you have to, to deal with, that you have, things that you have to cope with, uh, inevitable things that will happen that you, you're not prepared for. Your why is what will see you through that. Your why is what will allow you to determine how to treat people and it will help you in a lot of your decision making. So I really think without understanding your why, and look, there is a great potential for people to start businesses without a why, because it looks like a great a business opportunity. It looks like a good financial opportunity. And, and I've seen it. We see it in this industry a lot where there is not an intent for people. There's no why there other than money. And so we've dealt with organizations that have been abusing the the funds of of individuals by hundreds of thousands of dollars and we're just like how how does that even happen and those individuals it, it takes a very long time for them to be brought to any sort of justice but in the meantime they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing because their why to start with was malicious and that that's always my thing. It's their malicious intent. Your your why cannot have a malicious intent to it. Um, for me, my why was I wanted to care for people. I saw that this wasn't being done as best as it could, and I just thought people could be cared for a whole lot better. And with that vision of my why, uh, we, we're now experiencing the growth. 
And I'll let Emeka finish with his approach to people, which I found very powerful. Uh, I think people are your key assets. Before you start turning over a bulk amount of money, uh, I think your what you have in the in the way of capital without having physical capital is really the people that you get to come alongside you on that journey. Um, and and so even within our current journey now, when we started, it, it, it really came down to the individuals that I pulled to come alongside me. Um, and so when you don't have capital, your only currency is really how you treat people. And that is a big thing. No, and that should never change. And it shouldn't matter how big or how small you get. So you might have an idea that never comes comes into fruition, but and but you will treat people the same as though you have an idea that came to fruition and became a billion dollar company in whatever time period. I think the the ability to realize that individuals. I think that for me that that's probably my key learning. Realizing that individuals and the way you treat them. Uh, and I would go as far to say the the love that you show to them becomes your currency of how they will re- reciprocate and and invest their time and effort into it because at the end of the day you do need people to invest time and effort into it otherwise you got nothing and until others can buy into that and invest their time and effort it's a lot easier for people to invest time and effort than it is for them to invest sometimes for them to invest capital so using your currency of of being kind, being loving, going that extra mile for people and being willing to listen to people, I think pays. It pays really well. I mean, that's how we've done what we've done. A huge thank you to Emeka Edmundoese for being our guest on this episode. If you'd like to learn more about Netacare, you can go to netacare.com.au. That's N-E-T-A-C-A-R-E.com.au. Starting Line is a production of Swivel Media. It's produced by Phoebe Zakowski-Wallace and me, Scotty Allen. Our consulting producer is Amanda Reedy. Original sound design and theme by Ash Geneve. This episode was mixed by me with anti-helping from my cat Morris. And our original podcast artwork is by Mark Osmendi. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review wherever you listen. It helps other people to find our show. If you'd like to learn more about Swivel Media, find our other shows, or learn about our services, you can go to swivelmedia.com, that's swivel with an O, and we'll see you there. Swivel. Swivel.